Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzy. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. Spill your under. Has been broken by Chris Jericho. The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. He's the man called Sting. Man called Sting. He's the man called Sting. He's the man called Sting. He's the man called Vader. And he's giving you a tater. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the old theme song, Sting, from WCW, written by Jimmy Hart with my little embellishment from Vader. We always said uh, he's the man called Vader. He's going to give you a potato, which is wrestling terms for a stiff shot. But that's irrelevant because Sting, the man, is in the WWE. And what a huge, huge, huge revelation it is. Uh, it, it, It blows my mind that he was in TNA for 10 years. And people thought it was cool, but there wasn't really a lot of pop and circumstance about it. And suddenly, he comes to the WWE for three minutes, does a stare down with Triple H, and suddenly he's the most relevant, hottest performer in the business. That's what the WWE can do for you. Congratulations to Sting for making it finally to the WWE. I'm a huge, huge fan. I'm so excited. Uh, Synchronicity 2 is my favorite album. I think uh, I want to see The Police at WrestleMania. I think they should put together a stable of Sting with Adam Stewart Copeland and Summer can be in there as well. That's a totally nerdy police joke. If you get it, you're laughing on the floor right now. If you don't, well, then don't worry about it. Congratulations to Sting. And what a Survivor Series we had. I'm on the road right now with Fozzie, so I didn't see the whole thing. Saw parts of it. Read reports. Got uh, reports from all of you on the Twitter. At I am Jericho, at Talk is Jericho, at Fozzie Rock, telling me how uh, how cool the, the main event of the show was, and the final two were Dolph Ziggler, Talk is Jericho alumni, and Seth Rollins, who is on the show today. Absolutely, Seth Rollins is here, the hottest heel in the business. Who brings you the best guests, huh? You know what I mean? I mean, come on, consistently on a, on a week to week basis. 
You know what's right here. YTJ's got your back. And Seth Rollins is coming up. We'll hear all about his quick rise in the WWE as part of The Shield with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. He's got some pretty funny fan stories. And as the current Money in the Bank winner, he's got the briefcase, which he has to take with him everywhere he goes. So, of course, we'll find out where he has to take it and what he keeps inside of it. He'll also talk about his time at NXT, his original gimmick of Tyler Black, and his finishing move, where he got it from. It's many name changes. We'll talk about rock and roll music. We'll talk about so much stuff with Seth Rollins. Very, very cool guy. And what an amazing performer. He's killing it right now in the WWE. And he's going to kill it right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. But first, before we get to Seth, I want to thank you for using my links every time you shop at Amazon. It's the easiest way to support the show. And every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, and Amazon Canada A. So just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our podcast free banner at the top of the page eh? then hit the talk is jericho button you get all kinds of cool stuff on amazon like the new Fozzie record do you want to start a war or how about my best-selling new book the best in the world at what i have no idea very excited about that finally officially made the new york times bestseller list number four on the sports category and number eight in the celebrity category ahead of neil young Suck it, Neil Young. There you go. Go check out the best in the world at what I have no idea if you have not read it yet. It's the best of the three, according to a lot of amazing Jerichoholics out there. But listen, you can buy whatever you want on Amazon through my link, and it won't cost anything extra. No hidden fees or challenges. And hey, the holidays are coming fast, all right? Thanksgiving is just in a few days, and after that, it's Christmas time less than a month until Christmas time. So you know you're going to be need to do some holiday shopping. If you're going to do that on Amazon, which everybody uses, you can use my link and help out my show and me in the process. Let's scratch each other's backs, okay? Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Bookmark it so you can get to these links in one easy click and go do that now. All right. First off, if you did not hear a Slash last week on this show and you are a a music fan, a Slash fan, a Guns N' Roses fan, whatever, you need to go listen to these shows. The ratings have been good, but I think there's a lot of people who are missing out by not checking out the Slash interview. Uh, So many cool things were discussed. We discussed horror movies like Trog, The Omen, Nothing Left to Fear, which he produced. We discussed weird clowns, scoring, creepy movies, future plans for Slasher Productions, how he found the conspiracy. Miles Kennedy, Brent Fitz, Todd Kearns, the recording of World on Fire, whether he knows the name of his rhythm guitar player, whether he knows the last name of his rhythm guitar player, playing arenas with the conspirators, his slimy riff style, gelling with his partner in a two-guitar lineup, uh, like Izzy Stradlin, he talks about Izzy, he talks about getting sober, putting together a proper set list, opening for the Rolling Stones in 1989 with Guns N' Roses, and why Axl Rose made him apologize on stage after the show. We discuss a Guns N' Roses reunion, plus we discuss dinosaurs, our favorite species, the weird, weird kinds of dinosaurs, and the theories as to why they are extinct. Plus, Slash tells us in-depth stories about Ray Charles, Lenny Kravitz, Michael Jackson. So much to talk about with Slash. Go back and listen to that. And also the Page um, episode was amazing as well. So, we're also on tour right now with the Cinderblock Party with Texas Hippie Coalition, Shaman's Harvest. It's in the midst and drawing the highest numbers we've ever drawn in the United States. The tour has been amazing. So many filled venues, uh, some bigger than others. 
but it's just been it's a huge success all the way across the board. We're hitting Kenosha, Wisconsin tonight at the Brat Shop. Jackal is also on that show. And on Friday the 28th, Black Friday. No, it's Rock Friday. It's Foz Friday. We'll be in Joplin, Missouri. That show is off the chain. Then we're in Lubbock, Texas on Saturday. Dallas, Texas at Trees on Sunday. Tuesday, December 2nd, we're playing 210 Capones live in San Antonio. Destin, Florida at Club LA on December 5th. Aqua in the Rock Bar Room in Jacksonville on the 6th. Dixie's Roadhouse in Cape Cape Corral, I was going to say. Cape Coral, Florida on the 7th. House of Blues in Lake Buena Vista on the 11th. Last night of the tour, December 12th in Tampa at the State Theater. And don't forget Gainesville on the 9th as well. All of these shows, all of these uh, information with tickets and VIPs available on FozzyRock.com. Plus the Cinderblock Party World Tour in 2015 with the Dirty Youth starts March 5th in Belfast, Ireland. Then hitting Cork in Dublin, Ireland. Then going all the way across the UK, Manchester, Glasgow, London, Brighton, Bristol, Exeter, Southampton. So many great shows. You can get tickets to all the shows and VIP tickets. We have one of the best VIP packages in the world. You will not be disappointed. Go to Fozzy rock.com and check out all of that information all right survivor series apparently it was a um uh, a tie between egypt and myself on the predictions we were both three for five i think so i'm sure egypt is going to be harping on that i guess i should uh, be happy about that that i tied with egypt it's not too bad um like i said i mean survivor series always based around the main event and was one of the coolest main events in recent memory with the addition of sting to the wwe will he be working triple h at wrestlemania will he be working undertake at wrestlemania will he do both if i was them i'd do triple h this year and do undertaker next year why not spread it out uh sting now once again the most popular and relevant star in the business congratulations sting we are glad to have you and after the police reunion, uh, we knew we, we hadn't been doing much in a while, so it's good to have you back in the WWE. Yes, I'm going to beat that dead horse into the ground because it's funny and I like it. Mention the best in the world at what? I have no idea. There's a great story in there about rapid delivery Rory Fox, who uh, it was in a local uh, local talent, local enhancement guy who had a match with Zack Ryder, and his pants uh, exploded in the ring, and he was left naked. With nothing on, uh, Zack Ryder and I discussed this way back a few months ago on Talk is Jericho. And Rory um, reached out to me via DM on the Twitter and asked me if he could come on TIJ uh, when we were in Des Moines a couple nights ago for, for the Cinderblock party. He wanted to come down. He lives in the area and, and give his side of the story as to what really happened with the exploding tights incident. And he sees it a little bit differently than I did. And uh, he's coming to get his revenge. Apparently, we buried him a little bit uh, on the Zack Ryder podcast and I did not bury him in my book and I didn't mean to bury him if we did but sometimes things are said so I wanted to have Rory on to give his side of the story so from the back of the Fozzie tour bus just a few days ago rapid delivery Rory Fox is here to tell us all about the exploding tights incident that left him naked with his package floating and flying in the wind let's check it out Okay, so we're here in, in Des Moines with uh, Rapid Fire Rory Fox. You drove up from wherever the, you said Cedar Rapids. Rapids or whatever. So, uh, famous story. It's in the best in the world. At what I have no idea. It's it's the story of you working with Zack Ryder, and I'm going to read uh, read it quickly from my book how I wrote it. Uh, at SmackDown taping in Rockford, Illinois, an enhancement guy named Rapid Fire Rapid sorry Rapid Delivery Roy Fox was working a match with Zack Ryder. Ryder pulled him into the turnbuckle by his waistband, and suddenly, for no apparent reason, Roy's tights exploded. 
Yeah, that's right. They literally disintegrated into a thousand threads of spandex, and he wasn't wearing any undertights. The poor guy, not realizing that his ball bag had just made a rapid delivery into the open air, continued the match and Man. took a nude slingshot into the ropes. He made his way to the corner and covered his junk with both hands as the camera got a close-up of him mouthing, Oh, God, with a pathetic look of shock on his face. Zach pulled him out of the corner and bent the naked fox over for his swinging neckbreaker finish, giving the crowd a bird's-eye view of the always appealing beanbag asshole combo. Beanbag. This is by far one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life, but I have to give the rapid one credit. After the match, he was walking around backstage laughing about the whole thing, right. whereas I would have run straight out of the arena and never looked back. Rory showed a lot of balls that day, both literally <laughs> And figuratively. So you're here today. You actually uh, reached out to me on Twitter and said you wanted to come and, and kind of tell your side of the story. And I would like to, I mean, that's my recollection of what happened. So yes. lead us through exactly what happened that day. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. This has been a long time coming. Um, I would like to say also that your story in the book was so much more flattering than the podcast with the writer. You guys buried me so bad on that. I felt so bad. I was well, I like, I think oh. we buried you maliciously. I think oh. it was just one of those, just a horrible right. thing, whether it was just, it wasn't maybe just you personally, but just yeah. the whole concept yeah. of what happened. <laughs> it was just a horrible night. Uh. Um, so we were in Rockford. Yes. It, it's the SmackDown. And, and, and if I did bury, I apologize. Yeah. And that's why I wanted, that's why we're here mm -hmm. today. So, but uh, one thing though, the, I think the worst part was when you said the bald spot, it was like, I didn't have the bald spot yet. It was just I, I had the bleach blonde hair, and that was just my roots showing. Now I have a bald spot because <laughs> this, is, this is 2014. So, yeah, even Rapid well, Delivery's got one. back in 2009? 2008. 2008. Yes. So we're, we're in Rockford, Illinois for, for a SmackDown mm -hmm. taping, and you were a, a local guy. Yes. And you would come work. Which, whenever in the Midwest, I would always call and get booked. And Right. Okay, yes. so you're booked in Rockford. Yes. And tell us, you, you get, you, you're in a match with Zack Ryder. Right. And so tell us what happens. Yeah, I got out in the ring with Zach, and everything was going great, and it came in the part of the match where I peppered him with some forearms, and he decided, like, we're almost in the center of the ring. Normally, you know, you've been working a long time, you f drive him further and further to the corner, and then you grab the trunks, mm -hmm. and then I take the, the buckle bump. But he did it from the middle of the ring, and he yanked so hard, it's like he took a back bump to do it. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason why those trunks ripped. I wore those trunks everywhere, and nothing like that ever happened. And I will say, you know, the what do you call it? The under? Yeah, the, the, are you talking about the, the waistband or the under No, the, you said the under tights. Yeah, it's yeah. like I, I never thought of wearing those. It's like my trunks always worked, and I was so worried about the under trunks always showing and that not looking Which professional. Lame, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you I know? would always hate when you'd see guys wearing their underwear and you could always see the, the waistband of the underwear above the trunks, right? You see, over the years, the, the trunks got smaller and smaller. Like Triple H kind of brought that in with the higher cut to where you show more of the thigh. Right. And it's like, these trunks are too low. It's like, I don't want to have them undershorts showing. And <laughs> well, But now you think about it, what's worse, the undershorts are my... So, so the thing that was funny though is when he, he so he pulled you too hard. Yeah, he pulled so hard. I thought it was a rib. I thought one of the veterans told, "Hey, let's get this kid today." I thought, you know, maybe I did something wrong in catering or anything. But I've been there so many times, and everybody was always great to me. Yeah, of course. And, and I, yeah, you obviously that's why I thought it wrong. was a, a rib. But what? The, what? That your pants exploded? Yes. How, but how? How can anybody ever rib you with that? How would you know for well, sure it's going to happen? But he pulled so hard. No one. I've done that p spot. You know, probably twenty times in matches, and no one ever yanked that Hold hard. That but, but, the, the, but your tights just exploded. But you're, you're right, though they did. Right, they the seams. Yeah, I, I remember and, watching it with uh, with Julie and Terry, who are the seamstresses, yeah. and they were like, 
that's impossible. Like, how that? How would that even happen? I guess they just yes. exploded. So well, okay. So irregardless, so it blows up. Yes. And now, did you know right away that that your tights had exploded? I knew right away. In my mind, I'm thinking, like you said, oh my god. But I was so terrified. I'm like, how are they going to use this on TV? Vince is going to be so mad at me. We're wasting their precious airtime and programming and money. Right. And I think I'm never coming back again. And. Which is, you know, as a, as, a, as a typical young guy just starting out, that's what you're thinking. You don't care about the fact yes. that you're naked in the ring. No. You're more worried about getting heat for yes. your tights exploding. Yes. Okay, so, so you're in the ring and you yes. think, okay, I know, like, what did you think, like, I want to roll into the ring or, or what do I, like, what, what no. were you thinking? No, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm getting through this match. I'm going to cover my nuts and sell at the same time. I am finishing this match. I don't care if Zach's going to call that okay, but I'm holding my, I'm holding my balls with one hand while I. <laughs> While he's slingshotting me, I don't care. I'm finishing the match no matter what. And and do you, do you recall when when the camera? Do you remember like saying, "Oh God"? Yes, yes. Like, were you thinking like, "Oh my God, what what's gonna happen?" Yeah, I I was I was more I was more petrified of what was gonna happen backstage than than the crowd seeing my cock Jeez. and balls right there. <laughs> I thought this isn't gonna be on TV and. Wait, but because it, it took a while, because you were you were in the corner at yes. that point, and then he came. I think he gave you the boot in the corner. The boot in the corner. Do, I'm going, and you're told, you, you, yes. And then he pulls you in for like a neck breaker. Yeah. Did Did you say anything to him? Like my pants are gone, or that part? I was. It It just seemed like he was gonna. He's doing the slingshot no matter what. Even mm-hmm. I think it was it was the boot in the corner. Then it was a slingshot, and then it was uh, that finisher he did back then. The a swinging neck breaker or something like a roll of yeah, dice. I think MVP did it at some point. It's where you put the knee, your head on the knee, and you do this whole spin. And I'm, it would have been so much easier if he would have had the Rough Rider by then, because I could <laughs> keep my hands on my nuts and take that leg drop <laughs> Rough Rider movie. Did, did, did he know that your uh, your pants had exploded? I think he knew, but uh, I think he was focusing on the crowd. You know, working the crowd because he had, he had something to prove. You know, this was his first chance as a singles and. He, this was right. a chance to be kind of a hard ass heel that night because you, the hands of guys you really kind of slap around and hit, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, yeah. so yeah, um, I don't think he knew. Did you hear any reaction from the crowd when you were in there? Or was it just all tuned out? Oh no, no, no! I heard that stuff. Like, oh, I heard, you know, I heard the screaming. It was almost like I heard some of that, like when Ric Flair would do the old sunset flip, pull the pants. Oh well, yes, yeah. I, I, it was that kind of that kind of squeal you hear mm-hmm. when uh, mm-hmm. someone's ass is showing, kind of thing. Except for this was. Yeah, front but this back. was a lot of dudes going oh, 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 too. So uh, yeah, so so he hit you yes. with the swinging neck breaker. Yes, uh, yep. and the swinging nut breaker probably. Yeah, that thing. would work too. And then he covers you one, two, three. Yes. And then what happens? What did you do after that? Because I didn't. I don't remember what happened. Um, that. it happened so quick. Right after he penned me, a ref brought down a towel. I was getting covered, <laughs> like. Like in the Attitude Era, like when they're covering one of the chicks up, you know, if she shows her boobs. It's like a Val Venus thing where he's wearing yes. a towel. So you walk out of the ring holding the towel. Yes. Uh, were you, how were you feeling at that moment? It wasn't so much humiliated. It was just more I was just scared, like, and and thinking, God, what's the odds of this? You know, I, of all places that my trunks are going to rip, it's going to be right here. On Like, why couldn't t- this have happened, like, in Kenosha at yes. an independent show? So, so when you walk through the gorilla position, were, were people in there? Was anyone laughing? Were they? Um, the, if that was the case, I didn't really hear anything. It was more like silence. Like mm-hmm. it was like, oh shit, nobody's saying anything. I think they did it before I got back there. I'm trying to maybe show you some respect yes. and not laugh. <laughs> I there was nothing. It was just like I had that walk of shame. You know, <laughs> I heard nothing. Now, did you show up there with any friends or anything like that? Or any other independent guys? No, I drove by myself. I did, did any when you went through and you walked down the stairs? was yeah. anybody there, or were you like were you just kind of on your own at that point? No, there was there was nobody around. Like then it was just. 
It's like me walking down the the, 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 the lonely road with the tumbleweeds and <laughs> you're like a leper. But on my what I do remember though, on my after I was dressed and like you said I was kind of laughing. It was you and Hurricane made some comments and you got that made Twitter that night too, I believe. You guys put some stuff on there. Well, I, I, or maybe like it wasn't I said, Twitter. My, my thing that that I was never malicious. It was never like, ah, what an idiot. To me, it was like the fact that you hung out. Because I remember specifically you talking with Scotty Armstrong. Yeah. And and Scotty, (laughs) super nice guy, was saying, like, I think we talked about this on the Ryder podcast where he was like, you know, well, now they got something like, we got something to remember you by. Yeah, it is nice. Did you go up to Scotty and ask him what he thought or how did that come about? It's like, oh my God, Scott, what do I do? This is horrible. He's like, oh, don't worry about it, brothers. You know, this stuff happens. (laughs) He was great about it, though, but... uh, I remember that, like I said, to me, the biggest thing was that you stuck around because I, yeah. I remember I saw you later. You had your suit back on again. Yeah. You're walking around. And I was like, man, I would have ran out of here and never been seen again. But you stayed mm-hmm. around. You're like, mm-hmm. F it, man. Yeah. I'm just going to stick mm-hmm. around. And I mean, you just like your mindset was whatever. Yeah, I can't. I, well, I, just, I never thought I could leave early anyway. When I'm an extra, you're there until the end of the show. You know, yeah. Anybody yeah. catches you sneaking out early, boy, I get, they get, that guy's not coming back. <laughs> so did you ever work in the WWE after that? Actually, no, I didn't. I, I made it through that night. I know sold being naked, smiling, and laughing. Yes, but uh, I it was also too. I was about thirty four, almost thirty five by then, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's li- it's getting a little late. You know, they isn't the whole story like that. You need to be younger, and they they need to invest like five years before they could pop properly push well, you. I guess but yeah, sure. I sure. don't know. I was just thinking. You know what? I'm starting to wind this down anyway. Maybe I'd just <laughs> end it here. And is that, this is a sign. Yes, <laughs> I was like. I was worried, though. I didn't think they'd book me again. But I actually I ran into Al Snow at one of the indie shows I did here in uh, Des Moines. And he actually said, because Mick Foley's known for ribbing him, too, he used to uh, give him the vertical suplex right, and he'd, hook, he'd hang on to a singlet, and his nuts would show the whole time. And uh, Al goes, Rory, do you know how many times the fans have seen my, my balls and all this stuff? It's not the end of the world. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, so thank you, Al. Were you kind honest. of known for that for a while? Like, did the word get around in the indies that you're the guy that that, that yes. is naked in the ring? Yes. Did you I, ever Did you ever use it as an angle? Well, an indie show? I was trying to pitch that as an angle. Now I'd be like, I try to find out how many ways could I have a wardrobe malfunction? That could mm-hmm. be a gimmick mm-hmm. for a while. I know. Sure, sure, whatever sure. works. You know, you got to capitalize on whatever. You know, turn a negative into a positive. Like this whole situation. Right. If that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be on your podcast. Yeah, I you know. know. I'm I mean, out here, like deal. you said on that. Uh, I just saw it the other day, the Zach Wilde uh, roast. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that was so great. Uh, so yeah, that, hey, well, man, it's a negative into a positive. That's, that's right. I've exactly. been a Jericho-holic since 97, so hey, this is great. It worked out good. Had, yeah. you, had your tights not exploded, you wouldn't be here Exactly. Right I'd just been another indie guy. So, and you said uh, now, I mean, and, and once again, like I said, thumbs up for, for sticking around and, and much respect for that. And you Thank said you, you got out much. of wrestling for, for a while. Four years. And now you're starting to get back in again? Yes, yes. Four years ago in December, my very last match was here for 3X Wrestling here in Des Moines, and I dropped the heavyweight title to a guy twice my size. I think, mm-hmm. you know what, this is time to wrap it up. I'm, I'm in management right now. i got all kinds of crazy hours, and I can't just come and half-ass it right. once a month because that's how I wasn't trained. You know, I wasn't trained like that by Les Thatcher. To, right, sure, sure, it, sure. It's like if you can't go, stay out of the ring. 100% or and don't do it at all. Exactly. But now you're starting to get back into it yes, again for, yes. for, for fun and just to get, get your... Yes, I'm, I'm to, I would totally embrace the weekend warrior thing now, man. That's great. I can't tell you 
there's nothing like being in that ring and under those lights yet. Absolutely. Even if it's 100 right. people. It, and it took me four years to realize it, and I so, love it. So um, and you're based out of Cedar Rapids? Yes, out of Cedar Rapids, but I mostly do the bookings here in Des Moines for 3X Wrestling. How can people get a hold if they want to book you? On Twitter, it's at Rory Fox. At Rory Fox. So if you're looking to, to book a guy with a lot of experience, good guy. Good, good hand. For vicious, good, a hell of a hand. Hell of a hand. Uh, and, and, and one of the most okay. famous stories of all time in yes. the ring. Did you, did you ever see the match back on TV? Because they did show it. Yes. You know that, right? I, I found a link to it. And after the podcast, if you want to see it, you can see where in the ring Zach Ryder's trying to pull my trunks to take that bump. So. Mm-hmm. But, anyway, the, the, but the, Zach's a great guy. He is tremendous and much respect to him. But. This, he was 23 years old at the time uh-huh. and didn't know everything. Right. And he, he pulled a little early and a little too hard. And I'm and, sticking to it. And they showed the, the match, but it was close-ups after that. Yes, Mostly yes. just like even Ryder's finish. It was just yes. a close-up of yeah. like his upper chest and yes. face, basically. Yes, if you weren't there that night, you wouldn't even known. Right. You right. just would have heard this crazy cackle and cat calls at a certain point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, well, Roy, I'm glad you could come down here, man. At Roy Fox, if you want to get a hold of him, he's a, he's a good guy and uh, – and a, a, a true uh, true warrior for sticking around That's after right. that night, man. Thank you. Looking forward to Fozzie tonight. All right. Well, there you go. Rapid delivery, Rory Fox, giving his uh, dissertation, his opinion, his uh, his explanation as to what really happened. And apparently, Zach Ryder was the uh, was the cause of all that by pulling him too hard into the turnbuckle. Rory Fox, a good guy, came to uh, to give his uh, his side of the coin, his side of the story. Always cool to have guys like that on the show. If you want to check out Rory, upcoming Friday, December 5th, 3X Wrestling is going to be at the DM Social Club, which I believe is in Des Moines, Iowa. And the main event is Scrap Daddy AP versus Jeremy Wyatt 1, plus Rory Fox will take on Bradley Charles. That is a huge, huge match. It's the Holiday Havoc 5 Friday, December 5th at the Des Moines Social Club, Come and Go Theater, 901 Cherry Street in Des Moines, Iowa. Head on over there and uh, say hi to Rapid Delivery Rory Fox and uh, check out that show. Support your local wrestling company. Support the rapid one, Rory Fox. All right, Seth Rollins is next. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho. Okay, so we are here at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette. I actually uh, procured the, that's like the conference room, man. There's this giant table in here. I know, I'm at the head of it now. You're that at I the think table about it. running the corporation. <laughs> I'm with Seth Rollins. Uh, very cool to do this. We worked last night in Boston, and the original plan was for us to work at the uh, Night of Champions pay-per-view, and they changed it, but we've had a couple matches, and it's always cool when you find somebody new that you can, I mean, that you can work with, have good chemistry with, yeah, and uh, you got a really cool style. It reminds me of, I mean, you're a big guy, but you still do a lot of cool flying moves and all that sort of thing. I grew up watching, like, Shawn Michaels, obviously, yeah. he was, I think, for both of us, mm-hmm. the guy, and he was someone who, he wasn't... I, he was not the biggest guy, but he never, to me, he never seemed small. So like him and Eddie Guerrero and um, 
a lot of the guys that you kind of came up with and mm-hmm. stuff like that, like that's just a style that I patterned myself after. Like that's what I watched when I was growing up. So I was like, well, I think that's what I want to try to do. And I knew I was never going to be Hulk Hogan. Like yeah. I'm mean, <laughs> never going to be six six dropping leg leg drops, brother. But like. I uh, I was like I, I like to do that. It was always exciting for me, and and so it's cool. And then you know coming up in Ring of Honor, it, there was that's just what we did. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of style. Like Ring of Honor being like the modern day ECW almost. Yeah, where you sure. had a lot of guys that came through, you know, the system maybe working in Japan or working in different places. Ring of Honor had the same vibe, right? Like all the guys that you worked with and the top guys had worked a little bit in Japan or worked. Yeah, they over. just worked everywhere. Yeah. yeah, we were always infusing like Japanese talent too. Gabe Sapolsky, the Booker, there was kind of a big. I don't know. He's a big fan for the that's the style and stuff like that. So when I when I was there, we had a partnership with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah um, when they were doing well mm-hmm. there. So he would bring in like Kenta, who's now with us, and uh, Marufuji and Goshizaki, and they would just trade talent from time to time. We would send some Noah guys. There's some guys over there to do Noah, but like. When I bro- when I got in there, I'd only been wrestling for like three years. So really, for, yeah, for me it was like those guys and the talent there at the time: the Daniel Bryan's, Nigel McGuinness, uh, Cesaro was there, Chris mm-hmm. Hero. Like these guys for me were like, like I felt like I was out of place. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, it, it was great experience for a guy my age to just go in there and kind of soak up all that information. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From these guys who'd been to different areas of the world and traveled and worked these styles and stuff like that. But uh, it was certainly intimidating, to say the least. Did you do any kind of, like, um, probably not, but, like, gymnastics or anything like that when you were growing up? Because you got some really good springs in your legs. <laughs> I had a trampoline. Did you? <laughs> yeah. No, my parents were, like, uh, or my mom. Like, I think my, my, my the trampoline was, like, a. Uh, uh, my parents got divorced when I was young, and they were, like... <laughs> Here's a trampoline. <laughs> Feel better. Entertain yourself. Don't be depressed, teenager, in your you know in your, your bedroom. So like, I just spent a lot of time on the trampoline, and that's when I started like trying flips mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I figured out how to do like all the nonsense. Off I think of- all of us had the old trampoline thing. Yeah. yeah, it was like maybe I don't know if it was like that just that generation or whatever, but that's when they like came to prominence, and I'm sure a lot of kids got really hurt on them. But so I was fortunate. Who were you watching when you were growing up? Eddie and Sean were your favorites. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I always thought it was weird working in Ring of Honor because I was, like, the, one of the first guys to work there that was a fan of the product before because, like... A fan of Ring of Honor? A fan of Ring of Honor, you know what I mean? So, like, when I was a little kid, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, but then, like, as I grew up and started watching the the business as kind of an art form, mm-hmm. it was, like, Sean, Brett, WCW, you and, and Eddie and uh a lot you know ray psychosis stuff like that so like those were the guys who i was watching and then then when i was like 13 or 14 that's when wrestling's kind of started to be on the internet mm-hmm. or so and that's when like you could go to like click wrestle or like these uh torrent sites and you could download matches and it took forever because it was yeah dude it was like you watch the percentages and it would take like three <laughs> hours to download one match um but uh, that's when I discovered like independent wrestling in Ring of Honor and like Daniel Bryan, uh, Loki, mm-hmm. who was AJ Styles, like those guys. So I started to be a fan of that style. Even like the Amazing Red, the Briscoes were wrestling when they were sixteen. So like I was watching their matches. These like CZW best of the bests. Like, I mean, it, it was probably terrible wrestling, but they were just doing all these cool spots that right. I had never seen. Like these mo- super athletic things that I was like, holy crap! So like when I got into Ring of Honor, like I was kind of already a fan of the style, mm-hmm. and I was like one of the first I think that I can think of first guys who like 
as a teenager, you know, watched the product on like YouTube or something like that before I got in there and started doing it. It was kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I remember it was like a generation older, but I remember watching Stampede Wrestling. That was the one that you could get, like access it in Canada. And it was different from WWE because there was smaller guys. Mm-hmm. And even though I didn't know if wrestling was a work or whatever it was, I just knew that those guys were faster, those guys were quicker, and I was not – like you said, like I'm not Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I'm not going to be that, but I can be Owen Hart, or I can be Chris Benoit, or I can be Johnny Smith, or any of these little like little guys. I say they're 225 pounds or whatever it was. Yeah. But it gave me some inspiration to know that I could do it. Yeah, exactly. I felt the same way. And then like when I got there, I said like, I was like, well, now I'm here, and I was pretty intimidated. But like I also was confident enough that like I've been doing it for a little while, and I kind of had a like I picked up on it pretty quick. Like mm-hmm. I, once I got in the ring with those guys, I didn't feel like I was a step behind. You know what I mean? And that gave me – that's just like a part of building confidence as sure. far as like becoming a, a, a top performer, I think. Even on the independent level, like that's kind of crucial for a lot of today's uh, independent wrestlers. If there's anybody out there listening, like having that presence about you and like building confidence from match to match and going from, uh, you know, town to town and doing these little independent shows like – you know, don't be afraid to have some confidence when you're in the ring. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? don't be afraid to 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 involve yourself and and work a crowd. However, you know how to do that. You know, so. it's a great point. When you guys came up here as the Shield, um, I know you and, and and Ambrose had worked the the scene, worked a Ring of Honor in Japan, etc. And uh, and and Roman, I'm not sure if he worked as much, but he still grew up in the business. Yep. You guys had a presence about you, even though you were the new guys. Not that it was disrespectful, but you guys had some confidence. You had an air. Of, of stardom about you and that's why that worked right off the bat that's why the shield really popped and even in the dressing room you guys you knew who you were and what you were what you were trying to be yeah that's really important i think for guys trying to make a mark especially in in our industry where it's very ego driven and stuff mm-hmm. like that if you and there's a way to go about it without kind of i mean they always say you know you got to step on some toes and stuff like that to get to the top but like there, i feel like there's a way to go about it without being a, like a complete douchebag mm-hmm. you know what i mean there's a way to go about it where you don't just have to be a jerk and throw everybody beside you. Like there's a way to have confidence and uh, just be comfortable when you're working with guys that are already established. Mm-hmm. That that's that's important, I think. And I don't know if it's anything you can ever really be taught necessarily, but the time that Ambrose and I spent on the Indies, going from town to town, basically having to get over from scratch every single night, like that, I feel like that was. Uh, extremely important in like developing that confidence that we we're able to kind of exude on screen as well. And Roman, he's kind of he's an aberration, really. Like you said, he's been around the business his whole life and stuff like that. But like he, uh, I think he learned that from kind of being actually from football to be honest with you because he's if you've ever been around him in the locker room he's you know he likes to be like the dude he's got his radio set up <laughs> yeah, he does music. Yeah. like he likes to be like he likes that atmosphere and he likes to be the you know i'm the man type of thing so mm-hmm. like he he exudes that confidence just as a human being like it's just how he is and i think maybe that developed from uh kind of playing football and having to be the alpha male in that situation plus i, I think it probably helped that the three of you guys came in together like you have the three of you to, to rely upon. You're going to bitch to each other or, or vent to each other or you're doing this as as as, as three friends, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was a gang mentality. And like we were all uh, – developmental is a frustrating process if you're down there for a very long time. Like you never had – you never I never I never did, no. Yeah. It's a frustrating process because it's such a – when you're you know when you know when you're just a touring wrestler like it's every day's different there's like some excitement involved you're out there kind of doing your own thing but like being developmental it's very like 
mm. and not to knock it, but it's just day after day. It's a lot of the same stuff, Groundhog Day type type stuff so it's like it's very frustrating especially when you've got that confidence and you've i, mean, I was when i was there i was already had been wrestling for yeah oh, heck, six years when i got there and i had you know i had a bit of an ego uh when i got down there just because i was chomping at the bit to get <laughs> yeah. out of there you know what i mean like i i came here to you know work with in wwe and and with you guys and stuff like that so i was ready to get out of there and you got to take a step back like mm-hmm. mentally you have to take a step back and prepare yourself what's for what's about to happen so like that's very frustrating but we were in all of us all three of us were very frustrated so when the time came to like okay here <laughs> you go guys there was no way we were going to let that opportunity like go by the wayside like it just wasn't going to happen you know and we all had that mindset we all, and and to lean on each other is pretty helpful too mm-hmm. you know a, a kind of a gang mentality like we traveled together we talked every, you know, from town to town. We talked about everything together. We were, you know, pretty much inseparable for the first couple of years. So that that definitely helps, and I think it cultivates, um, I don't know, it cultivates something, some sort of sharing of information and stuff like that, and ideas and concepts. It seems to cultivate success, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you said, you have someone you can rely on that's in the same boat as you. Like when I first came to WWE, I was. Besides Big Show, I was the first guy to kind of make the big jump from WCW, yeah. and I was by myself. Like I had no friends, and you know, talk about a lot of pressure and heat, and you know, you can't really talk to anybody because everyone's kind of looking at you as the new guy. But you mentioned how it was frustrating when you first came up here. How was it for you being? Because I believe you were Ring of Honor champion. Yeah. So you're, you're uh, Tyler Black, right? Yep. Ring yep. of Honor yep. champion. Then you get signed to WWE and get sent down to the minor leagues, basically. Yeah. How how was that for you? Like you mentioned, frustrating. Was it something that did you agree to it right away? How did you uh, kind of consign yourself to that? Yeah, I when I I'd always wanted to work for WWE. Now, likewise, I always wanted to work for Ring of Honor. Like I said, I was a mm-hmm. fan there, so like I. But I knew for me, Ring of Honor was like a means to an end. Like I wanted to be at WWE. So like when I got the Ring of Honor title, I almost thought of it as leverage in a way like i was like okay i'm in this top position now this is where i can now i can maybe parlay this into otherwise i had never talked to wwe before that like i literally had never sent in a tape never done uh you know the came for a tryout tryout or dark match or anything like that you know so i just i was like shot in the dark i think i have a name well enough now that i might be able to parlay this into something so uh, when they offered me the developmental deal, I was like, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, but it but took much longer. How did than you I get thought. the deal though in the first place? Uh, I was actually talking with uh, Terry Taylor at the time, mm-hmm. uh, who was working. He's now with us down in developmental, but he was working with TNA at the time, and I was kind of going back and forth between he, he and Johnny, who is uh, Johnny Laurinaitis, who was doing the talent relations. Oh, so here. you were working with both? Yeah, I was. Well, I mean, trying to get the best TNA, deal. Yeah, TNA had approached me about the deal. And I was kind of like, I was interested in working there. They offered me a really good deal. They were, you know, Dixie Carter called me. We had a nice conversation, stuff like that. So it was good. Uh, but no offense to them, that's just not where I wanted right. to be. You know what I mean? I knew where my heart lied, and I wanted to be with WWE. So uh, I tried to, I, I positioned them against each other a little <laughs> bit. But I mean, I didn't really have a choice. There was no, there was no better option. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I talked to Johnny. I had, I sent some stuff to him. He was very upfront about, hey, you know, we like your stuff. We think you need to be polished a little bit. We'd like to give you an opportunity to go down to Tampa and, and live and train. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll do that. And it wasn't like a consolation necessarily. Of course, I would have loved to have just 
hopped on the main roster and got started. But in retrospect, it was probably the best thing for me for a lot of reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. I did not that I didn't learn anything down there because I certainly did. There's just a wealth of knowledge between Steamboat, Dr. Tom was down there, Norman Smiley, Joey Mercury was down there when I was down there. So like, you look at all the trainers. Demott came on at the end. All the trainers were. Mm-hmm. Super helpful, super beneficial, and I learned a lot about myself while I was down there, and just like how to, how to kind of navigate uh, the political system mm, that is like life lessons. Almost, yeah, yeah, life lessons. Yeah, and and, and it, it like I said, it, it also like being frustrated ended up being a good thing. You know what I mean? To the point where like when it was time to go with the shield, it was like boom. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're like you're just loading, you're just cocking this gun for yeah. two and a half years just holding it holding it holding it for as long as you can and then boom as soon as you let it go it just explodes everything and you put roman and dean who had the same frustration in there as i did it was it was a uh, we were just gonna go so it was kind of it's kind of a cool deal and like i said it was it was frustrating on a day-to-day basis because you're doing a lot of the same stuff over and over and you're re not reprogrammed but you're I mean, I know how to do hip tosses, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, when you get in the ring and learn yeah. how to do an arm drag, and it's like, I've done these before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a thousand <laughs> yeah. doing my sleep, most likely. So, like, that part was frustrating, and uh, that was the only thing. Like, other than that, it was a pretty cool experience. And like I said, looking back, it was probably for the better, but, like, at the time. Do you think it was almost a, 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 an ego check as well, just to see, like, can these guys leave that kind of – I don't know. Like this, sometimes guys come in and they have an ego because they've been the champion here. They're nothing. Yeah. Do you think they send? Because everyone now has to go through development. Everybody, yeah, everybody. You think it's just to kind of see what the mental state of the people are too? Sometimes. Oh, I'm sure it is. But again, like I think that's for the better. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I don't know that guys who um, don't go through that system, like it's like I, I said, it was good to have a lot of confidence in what you do. Like that's part of being successful. But it's also like it's good to have your ego checked from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's good to be. Uh, humble and have like uh have to learn how to do that and i think for better or worse they're definitely that's probably some sort of consideration that they that they take into account when they send guys who are in my position down to developmental um i i don't know if it's um it might be just a byproduct of of what they do down there but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it seems to work guys come up here and they have a completely different perspective and plus i mean i'm down there for two and a half years so when i finally get up here i'm i'm i don't feel like it was gifted to me i'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like so i'm so grateful that i finally gotten the opportunity you know wow what I mean? so you were down there for two and a half years uh two about two years yeah wow yeah. i ended up like started in september of whatever year and i finished up my developmental contract after our first wrestlemania which was wrestlemania 29 so like it, that would have been two and a half years afterwards. So, so it was a little bit of time spent down there for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't aware it was that long. Yeah, it was long, man. Because it, I mean, there is a, a, a WWE style. It's the famous WWE style. And people that don't uh, have never worked here don't quite get it. But it's the same. Like when I came up here, I didn't know anything. I thought I've been working nine years around the world, but coming up here, there's a separate way of doing things. Yep. Um, and and you know, you had to learn that. But for you, you obviously learned it. But then still, two years of learning it. Wow. Yeah, and and it, the good thing about it is like they don't um, they're not just throwing guys into the mix. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that's the cool thing about it is like you get to learn that style, you get to kind of perfect it. Now that they have NXT, which is essentially a smaller version mm-hmm. of what we do up here, you get to learn exactly how it's done, how they want it done, um, and how to be good at it because it is it's completely different and it's just as difficult as any other style I've ever learned. You know what I mean? There's different challenges that go along with it, but. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it was it was a it was a it was a long time down there <laughs> for sure. And I, it sucked because like I lived in Tampa. You live in Tampa, yeah. right? Like Tampa is a great city. Yes, but like when you're forced to be somewhere, it feels like a prison. <laughs> yeah. Like it feels like you have these shackles on you. And like now, when I go back and we do, we just did like the battleground pay per view mm -hmm. there. And like I was there for just a day or so, but like I was like, man. I didn't. I miss Tampa. Yeah, it's like, a nice it, place. It's yeah. a great place. It's like right on the water. It's got a lot of good food and like you know. Was, was it hard? Like if you like you had a group of guys in NXT. I'm sure other people got called up before you did. Did people get called up sometime? You'd be like, what? Like he got called up and I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> people would find they would find like a niche for themselves. A role. Before, yeah, yeah. Like before I did. Uh, even someone who's my friend Cesaro actually, because he got he was he's unreal he literally got in there i think he was on tv like six months later you know what i right. mean and i don't know how it happened i don't know all the ins and outs of it but and he's the man I don't i'm not of course not i'm not dogging him at all this is just... purely me just being jealous and envious <laughs> of like oh come on man what? like i could i could be up there too yeah you know so yeah absolutely he, he's an example of one where i was just like and it, he wasn't one where i was like scratching my head he was like oh i totally get it but sure. i was also like Come on, me. come on. <laughs> so how did the whole shield idea get pitched to you? Uh, the shield idea never really got pitched to us. It was like just one day I did a, uh, when I was NXT champion, I did, they booked me for, they did a tour of Egypt, which was just Cairo for three days. Mm -hmm. um, and there were like some rumblings when I got back from the tour that like they were going to do something with me or there was going to be three of us or four of us. They were, uh, they were talking about calling up at the same time. And then like the next, either that week at TV or the week after, I remember they had brought, uh, it was Biggie, Roman, myself and Dean all up at the same time. So we, we were like, we thought it was going to be a foursome at first. Could you imagine Biggie in a big black, like tactical vest? Team outfit, yeah. As much as he sweats, like just in life, he would not be able to survive in something like that. <laughs> Uh, but so we thought it was going to be like a, a, a foursome. And then, you know, uh, we, when we talked to the guys up here, they're like, no, no, that's not, it's, we got something in mind for the three of you. Uh, Biggie's like a separate deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we were, I think originally scheduled to do, uh, hell in a cell. We were going to debut hell in a cell, which was the, I think the night like Brad Maddox was like the, mm -hmm. the GM, was the shoddy referee, he was oh, a shoddy okay, right, referee right. at that point. And then he like gave Ryback the low blow or something oh, like with, that. Against Punk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were going to, we were going to do that, but that got pushed back. Uh, and we ended up like, it was one of those things where like, here, we have this idea for you. We're not quite sure what it is. We're not going to tell you, but you're here. Maybe we'll do something. And like, I remember being at the building all day, like. Just kind of like waiting for someone to come tell us like what we were going to do. And then like no one did and it never happened. And then we like, like, oh, maybe it'll happen tomorrow on Raw or something. And like then then they talk to us we're like, no, I, we're going to push it back, I think, till Survivor Series. So we're talking four weeks of like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. like. Don't do because you always me. think the worst. You, of course, you yeah. assume the worst. Like, oh, they kibosh the whole thing. You know, yeah. maybe somebody's not sold on it. Like, who knows what what it is? So, like, we were just literally like 
purgatory for four weeks. Like, mm-hmm. oh, are we going to go? Like, and then we're all thinking, like, man, we can't go back down there. We can't go back down there. Like, now that we're here. <laughs> I won't go. Yeah, I won't. You can't make me. <laughs> and and so, like, finally, like, we had the Survivor Series, and the whole concept was sort of explained to us and stuff like that. And um, it was just essentially. How was it explained? It literally, I think we were uh, initially the idea, and I don't know exactly how it got pitched, but I believe the idea was initially that we were supposed to be a security force for Punk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, like when he was working with Ryback, he was con- he was continuous. Like he was. This is when during his like four hundred some odd day. Rain. And Ryback was super over at that time super as a babyface too. Yeah, yeah, and Punk was just like avoiding him at all costs. And I think they just needed. I I feel like looking back on it, we might have just been like you know guys to feed to Ryback. Uh, like when when Punk, you know, so the Punk could go do other stuff, yeah. just so they weren't having matches every single week. Um, and uh, so we were supposed to be like a security force. I remember when we got to the building, they had, "Have you seen your costumes?" Um, no. Okay, so go to the wardrobe. Well, we go to wardrobe. We got these pants. We got these awful turtlenecks. Like I don't know why we had <laughs> turtlenecks. They were they were literally straight turtlenecks, like what you would like what you're like. <laughs> uncle would wear to a terrible christmas party or something like that and then like we had shields we had these big uh plastic like riot literal shields. like game of thrones shields but not like that oh cool. like you know like plastic like a riot right. like if you were to stop a riot after the, you know the canadians lost you know, seven or something <laughs> yeah, like right. that and they were tipping cars over and like you had tear gas like that that's the shield and it said shield on it and we had these the, the sticks the clubs too and like we're well I'm, i distinctly remember we were walking uh, the path that we were going to run and we had these shields and these clubs and we're walking down the thing and Vince is he's by uh, the, the ring and he's like he looks over and he's oh why you can't kick his ass by yourself <laughs> and we're sitting here just looking like doofuses with these shields and clubs and, and we're like yeah we can and we just throw the stuff down and and so then that luckily that was all gone we still had the rotten turtlenecks but yeah it was just like boom survivor series you're off and running and then i don't know what the plan was from from then till the tlc pay-per-view but in between there punk got hurt oh okay he got injured on like a i think they did like a ladder match some sort of match on raw with ryback where he took like a crazy bump on the ladder that was like all awkward oh. and stuff like that and he ended up not being able to do the tlc pay-per-view so they stuck us in there with um uh hell no which was brian and kane at the time mm-hmm. and ryback and this was our first match like none of the, the wwe audience has never seen us do anything but run in and beat the crap out of guys and like it was in barclays in brooklyn which was the first time we had done that building and, uh, you know, we had all the toys to play with and mm-hmm. kind of this crazy ambiance of a new building, three guys that have never seen wrestle on television before. So we had like a – it was Good a re- crowd too it, in that yeah, area. It was a crazy yeah. energy. And, and a lot of, uh, you know, Ambrose and I had a little bit of that fan base in, mm-hmm. in, in that northeast right. kind of area. So like – and Brian as well. So like we just had – there was just a crazy energy about that match. And I remember like – Five minutes into it, it was one of those where you're just like, "Oh, this is going to be this going to be yeah. really good, man." All the fruit is lined up. Yeah, jackpot. yeah, it's yeah. Exactly. I love I love how they had you come to the ring with shields. Literally with shields that said shield. It was so like there's somebody that's employed to actually come up with these type of things. 
you know, like put them in the shield. That's what I'm saying. Like there had to be a, a group that discussed this and somebody <laughs> okayed it. And like, then they, then everyone was like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> and people, those people have jobs and get paid. Yes, they do. Insane. Right. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. It's the whatever. same people when I uh, was trying to think of a new name for my finisher because Vince didn't like the lion tamer. Oh, heavens. Uh, they gave me a list of names. It was like the solid shooter, <laughs> the rock and roll finisher, <laughs> the, uh, what was it? The, the, uh, the feel, the feeling hurter. Like, like this is like someone said, "I'm gonna hurt your feelings with the feeling hurter." Like, what? Yeah, you know. Yeah, they had the same problem when the they the curb stomp. Oh, yeah, the same same thing. They were trying to come up with. The, when I was in NXT, I called it the blackout, which I thought was fine. It's mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. a little ode to my former name, right? And it made sense. It's you know. Stomp yeah. somebody's head into the mat and knock them out. Him out yeah. So uh, I was like, well, why can't we just do that? And whoever was, the, the, you know, I don't know who I was even talking to. I was emailing somebody. Mm-hmm. And they, they're like, oh, well, we just want to come up with something new. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, like, they send me this list of names and stuff like that. And it's I, I wish I could remember some of them. <laughs> yeah. But it was the same type of crap. And I was like, holy shit, what yeah. are we talking about here? Like, for one week, they called it the peace of mind. And... Cole said it, and I, and I didn't okay it. I never okayed it. It was like one of those things where I was like, "Yeah, it's all right, I guess," you know. Mm-hmm. And they, whoever you know, heard that said, "Oh, okay, we're gonna call it that tonight." So they called it that on one of these, maybe a SmackDown or something like that. And I remember, like, uh, Vince heard it for the first time. Then he was like, "What?" In the headset, he's like, "That is." That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a curb stomp. We're calling it a curb stomp. So, so that, he, he had heard that name curb, curb stomp before? I, I or think, he just came up with it on the spot? I think that just like that's how it had been referred to. Gotcha. As like that, that's what you called the move, the way you would call like a, you yeah. know, before you name a suplex, you know what I sure, mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. It's just called the suplex. It's like that's just how it was referred to in, in passing. Gotcha. So like he's like, no, that's just what we're going to call peace it. Peace of mind. Yeah, peace of mind. <laughs> Which should be spelled P I. E C E like it's a piece yeah, of like your a mind. Piece of your yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> the Iron Maiden album cover, which is I, cool for them. Yeah, that's not fine. For for them. Yeah, not, not so much for me. How about the name uh, Seth Rollins? How did that come about? Uh, it was one of those things where you know you get to developmental and they want you to change your name because they want to brand you, and I get mm-hmm. all that. And I remember like trying my damnedest to like. I was like, can I just spell Tyler Black different? Can we do something? Because like, <laughs> yeah. I was partial to it, you know what I mean? So like, It's your like, name. You'd built it up for yeah, six years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, ah, oh, God. It's, like it's, e- it's an easy brand. Like It's it's you know black. It's very simple. Like I don't know. I, I was fine with it. And they were like, no, no, no. So we, you know, you make, I made a list of a bunch of first names. And uh, Rollins was um, Henry Rollins, yeah. Black Flag. He's, just, he's a cool dude. Uh, always like just someone whose ideology I was just highly entertained by and just I mean if you've probably listened to yeah, him totally to his spoken word yeah, stuff yeah, and it's hilarious and he's just a cool yeah, he's cat great. and so I uh, threw that one out there and Seth was one of the Seth uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes loved Seth he couldn't ever say it properly because of his list but you know Seth. I mean? <laughs> oh Seth I love it if the fit is just smooth, T H E T H, but uh, yeah, he loved it, so we went with that's just what we went with. That's just where it it's went funny. There's there. a lot of guys that I, I talked to Zach Ryder on the show, he did the same thing a list of first names and a list of last names, you yeah. know, and just pick one and put the other. You know, it's actually last night you talk about guys pronouncing your name wrong. Fit came up to me when we were in Boston, and he's like. Because uh, I was working with Wyatt, but then he said, we're going to change. You're going to work with Zeth. <laughs> and I was like, at first, I was like, okay, is, 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 are you, do you mean Zeb? He doesn't even work. And then, are you saying Zeth? He's like, yeah, Zeth. I'm like, Seth? He's like, yeah, Zeth. <laughs> I said, Seth. He said, what did I say? I said, you said Zeth. It's Seth with the S. Yeah. So I had to tell Fit how to pronounce your name. Explain it. <laughs> yeah, Zeth. 
<laughs> I wonder if he like wonder how he got that. Like, did he see it with Z? Somebody Maybe it's an Irish thing or yeah, something. I don't, I don't know. know. They can't pronounce the letter S. And that now letter. that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever heard him. Like, I've never had a conversation with him where we. Now you know. Names, you He's know not I mean? completely sure how to say your name. That's why. <laughs> Hopefully, after last night, you said he would straight. know yeah, exactly. So uh, the, another cool thing that was really synonymous with the shield is that you guys would come down through the crowd. Yeah, um, yeah that was fun. How was? Uh, tell us about that because I had to do that a couple times, and you know, you come down, especially as a heel, as soon as you walk by, of course, someone's patting you in the, in the back of the head or slapping spitting on you, you slapping you, throwing popcorn in your did, way. Did you ever have any issues with that or were they pretty cool? With I feel like Roman for some reason had more than anybody. And I don't know why I, ha- but like of all the guys to pick on uh, the three of us, you pick on the <laughs> giant tattooed Samoan. Samoan. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? But like, yeah, he, like I was, you know, he was always the anchor of it. And like, for whatever reason, like I would have issues where, like, sometimes people would, you know, pat you in the chest, and we would have sometimes in the, the crazy markets we would have um, people like hop out in front of us, you know what I mean? But they didn't know what to do. Yeah, they didn't know what to do. They just hop out in front of us and they throw your hands in the air, hey. and then they just they, and they'd freeze, and then <laughs> two seconds later, one of our Muriel would just grab him, you know? And yes. Be, well, excuse me, get out of the way. We would have more issues up in the uh, like in the the concourse. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, because we had to station up there. We had to right. go up early and sit there, and like it was becoming because as soon as one person knows, everybody knows. So you, there's no way to keep it a secret. And like towards the end there, it was getting it would get crazy where they would have to have like all the local security. They'd form like a little circle or semicircle around us and kind of block us into the vom there. But dude, the fans were just going nuts. You'd have a mob scene like yeah, in the it, it, concourse area. They'd be up above kind of coming down the stairs and like, yeah, you mean you were talking hundreds and hundreds of people like just leaving their seats and coming to see us. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we're not doing anything cool. We're just like <laughs> waiting for a cue. We're just wetting our hair, getting super wet and like just doing like push-ups and ambrose is like punching the air and stuff like that so like we're not doing anything cool and like but they were there and like they would sometimes they would they would push luckily we never had any jumpers and no one had no, to get hurt but this the shield was very wet all three of you guys would always have the super lot of wet a lot of wet well yeah. i mean roman and i it's really all about not having poofy hair yeah that's the whole, I get I mean, it. You worked your whole career with poofy hair. I don't know how you did it. It was terrible because my hair, like in the dryness, it would look cool. But you come down here, like in New Orleans, Louisiana, oh. forget it. Poof city. Yeah. And when you would, uh, it would get in your mouth and oh, you'd choke yeah. on it. And then I was trying to, like, I'm laying on the mat. Worst. Like, pulling hair out of my Running throat. the ropes and you'd hit and the hair would go in your face. And like you said, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was mostly just, you're mostly just about keeping the hair yeah, wet and, and not getting, looking like an idiot right not just and by the end of the matches sometimes uh, when we would have the six mans i would spend so much time on the apron you know just because you're tagging it out that like my hair would just under the lights it would just dry and expand and become this <laughs> insane <laughs> like albert einstein and ambrose is just unkempt as like, he didn't yeah. have long hair but he was so unkempt that when his hair would go his bang would just everywhere yeah it was just like this terrible mess so like for us it was just about you know it was a little bit about aesthetic sure everyone you know bret hart would not look nearly as yes. cool if he wasn't soaking wet when he came out but like at the same time it's also about function you're trying to survive out there i used to get i remember we had a match with the ziggler one time and he was like we were going over it and we only had a couple minutes because something changed or someone was late and he's like i can't pay attention there's no match unless i wet my hair i'll be right back so <laughs> the, the hair wetting was first the match was second the second yeah. the hair's wet we can work the rest out right you know? yeah that's that, sometimes that's the case man <laughs> it's funny you mentioned her name and i've never mentioned her on the show before you mentioned muriel yeah who we've i mean i've been here for 15 years we've had so many security guards come and go 
go. She is by far the best security guard ever. Oh, she's awesome. Like she's great. Like she's she's a she's a, I mean she's not big. She's a big boned, but she's taller than I am. Yeah, she's a big, uh, tall you know, black lady, and she's very nice and sweet. But man, oh. if someone gets too close, she barks, and it's like your mother yelling at you, and people are scared to death of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, we did a promo on SmackDown. Uh, as the shield, like, I don't remember when it was, but literally I picked up the microphone and I went to say one word and I said the first line. And before I know it, there's some girl screaming jumper. She, I don't even know where she came from. She jumper and she was coming down the aisle and she had made it to the ring and like was about to, I don't know if she, she stopped. She was, I don't think she thought she was going to get this far. And I don't, she was screaming. I think she was in love with Roman, yeah. something like that. And Roman, I love you. And before you know it, Sassy, Sassy, Muriel, we call her <laughs> Sassy. sassy. Yeah. She just comes into the picture and just like takes this girl, just boom, just barrels her over and takes her like just kicking and screaming by the hair. <laughs> And yeah, she, I mean, she's a big, scary lady and not in a big, like, yeah, not fat, just Just big. Yeah. She just, she's a big bone lady. She could take you right now. You listening, she could take you. I guarantee. Yeah. It's it's funny how you mentioned that too. A lot of people at times that we call them jumpers, they jump over the, the railing or jump in your way. And then, like you said, not really too sure what to do. They have no clue, no yeah, plan beyond, yeah. yeah, no plan beyond getting over the railing. No one, because no one expects to get like further yeah. than they do. You know what I mean? They're expecting to get attacked immediately, and like when something's, you know, something else is going on, and security's not there right away. It's like they hop over and they're like at the uh, ring, and they're like, uh, 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 and then boom. they realize, yeah, it's enemy territory, and then they're done. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever have anybody get all the way into the ring? Um, I had a couple times. The one that I had. Was I was uh, we were in Las Vegas and I was in the ring looking at Steve and Rock. It was me and Undertaker, and I was looking at Steve and Rock, and I looked away for a second, and I got punched in the face. <laughs> and I remember thinking, how did Steve? <laughs> First of all, why did he punch me so hard? Second of all, how did he get down so fast? And I turn around, and it was a guy standing there, just like you said. Now he's like, oh my god! And dude, I reared back, and you could see it was on Raw. And as I rear back, and just as I start punching. They cut the camera to rock or something oh, like that. Oh, no. And, dude, I nailed this guy, and I took him over the rail, and there's this old security guard named Jimmy uh, Jimmy Tillis. Yeah. And he was trying to grab the – and I remember the guy was kind of half over the rail, and I was using his balls as a punching bag. Then Steve came over, and he's like, kid, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Come here. And I was like, how bad are things when Steve Austin is the voice of reason? <laughs> yeah, he's he, <laughs> not worth it. He's not worth it, kid. So. Yeah, but people make it through sometimes, man. But um, So you're talking about the Shield. Guys got over so huge. It was uh, something different. It was something cool. When you finally got rid of the turtlenecks and implemented like the bulletproof vests or the SWAT team stuff. I mean, it was a really cool. I mean, you guys shot to the top of the company within weeks or or, within a very, very short period of time. Yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, we got, I mean, we got real, real fortunate. Not that injuries were ever fortunate, but like I said, when Punk went out, we got the opportunity to uh, have the match at uh, TLC, stole the show. Um, and then Punk was working with Rocky, and we got a little bit of that rub for those two, those two, the Rumble and Elimination Chamber. And uh, like I said, I think it was just something that was different, and mm-hmm. um, and we were prepared to, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of times where we were attacking guys, and it was it looked pretty vicious because it was pretty vicious. And like I just think I think it was something that like caught people off guard. They had been so used to seeing this kind of like 
sterilized, sort of boring every you know it was just something mm-hmm. something you just infused some new energy it was just a different type of energy when our music hit and we came through the crowd that looked different yeah you know what i mean i don't know if anybody had really done that since sandman like yeah like to be like i can't think of it off of them maybe i'm wrong but i can't think I of don't anybody think so. right um we come through the crowd and like we were doing six-man tag matches which are extremely popular over in japan and mexico right because there, there's six guys you can do a lot there's a lot more with six guys mm-hmm. than you can with two as far as just like pacing and stuff yes. like that and so uh but over here those in this company no one had really cornered that market per se the six-man tags were kind of just relegated to like okay it's the raw before the pay-per-view and we that's got right three yeah big match thrown so together yeah just put them all together and like you know everyone just kind of does their stuff and you've advanced the storylines and it's great but like as an attraction, the six-man match had never really been a thing here that I can think of. So, like, we, I, I, Ambrose and I both, just from you know being in Ring of Honor and him in Dragon Gate, we just had the experience of um, of doing multi-man matches and structuring them properly and mm-hmm. like the pacing of it and stuff like that. And um, at the time, we were doing a lot with Daniel Bryan as well, and he was just starting to get crazy with the yes thing and like all of his energetic sort of comeback and offense and stuff like that. And like great we, chemistry, with yeah. Him, we just had really good chemistry with him, and uh, the dynamic between Roman and Kane and stuff like that. So, and, who was it? Was Daniel and Kane, and then who was the third guy? Anybody? Oh, it, just whoever. They would, if you go back in, in that period of time, you can you'll find like a Kofi, you'll find a Randy when he was uh, gotcha, you know, just a good guy. You find who, whoever they would want to put in there you know what i mean and there was a lot with uh with cody and dustin too right yeah and we had we had six mans with cody great and matches dustin, with them the too. usos all like it didn't it, the best thing about it is it didn't matter like who was in there there was just a, we we had that six-man match mm-hmm. down like we were great at it and uh like i said it was just something that like people just hadn't seen and they were not familiar with it and the energy of it you can like you just do so much more and we were mm-hmm. able to, ha- to kind of have this pace that i think catered to our fans and just like younger our younger fan base because let's face it attention spans are shorter matches are shorter people you know what i mean like when there's not action it's very easy to look at your phone to flip the channel great point man. you know what i mean it's just i think that match just catered to kind of what people were looking for in this in in this era of uh, i can get everything all at once Mm -hmm. so uh i feel like all that kind of it was a good good timing and we were were given great opportunities um not a lot of guys coming up get those opportunities but we also never we knocked them out of the park every time we never we we were ready to go yeah yeah, we never had a situation where they're like here you go it's your guys time and then we come back and they're like oh you know i don't know i don't know about these guys it was always like okay you're up bases loaded by the ninth boom home run how did did you feel when um when they started to to bring up the idea of you guys splitting up we said no We, we stopped it we put a we put a Mm-hmm. Wow, so you kind of kiboshed it a few times. Well, one major time for sure, yeah. They had discussed it leading into, um, I, I don't know if you'll remember, but there was like, we were doing um, some three-on-one matches with Punk uh, after like, we did one at, at, at a TLC pay-per-view and then we were kind of going to go, like it was, so Roman had the big Survivor Series, like where mm-hmm. he like was the star of that and like speared everybody right. and was a sole survivor. And from that, they were going to kind of start to um, split us a little bit. And they wanted us to like 
be prepared for that. They didn't know when it was going to happen. So we kind of started like talking about it, but we were like, at this point we had been in, we'd been going for over a year, I think yeah, over a year. And we were like, you know, we got a baby face running us here somewhere. You know what I mean? We've been doing this heel stuff for a year, but we were like, Hey, we're like, people are, they like us a little bit. You know what I mean? We're kind of awesome. Cause it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of awesome. We're these, all we are is these, you know, we're not cowardly heels. We're these awesome bad Kick guys. Ass, dressed, great matches. Yeah. Look cool. Yeah. Like, What's the hate? Super wet. So like, how can you, the, you know, the guys were like, yeah, let's, these are our dudes. And the girls, you know, we're like, Hey, good looking guys. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So yeah. like we were, we were, we were like, we we're primed for a, a baby face run here. And they were like, Hey, you know, I don't know. And we, but we, put a huge kibosh on that uh that split after you know did you ever have to go talk to vince about it yeah we did got that far yeah yeah, we did and we we and i and we told them why and we're like hey look here's the thing and they went with it for a little while clearly because we going into wrestlemania that year we had kind of flipped the switch we had we had stuck we were in we're doing a lot of infighting like backstage and stuff like Mm -hmm. that especially between roman and um dean were kind of like button heads a lot in, in the backstage and stuff like that and then like finally i i just uh like we talked to him, we got it all settled, and we were moving forward. We we worked with uh, Kane and the Outlaws at WrestleMania, and if anybody remembers that match, it was like three seconds three minutes, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys get time cut on that, or was it always designated? To no, be no, no. It was when we started. Like when they said, "Oh, here's your match." I remember like two or three weeks before it, we were excited for it because I mean, you work with the Outlaws and Kane at WrestleMania. Yeah. That's awesome. And they're like, "Oh, you're gonna have you know a little bit of time, like 15 to 17." You know what I mean? Like, "Oh, wow. awesome! This is gonna be great." Because we're just, you know, we're we're, we're going to tear it up. You know, we worked with uh, uh, Brian and Billy over in um, Europe on one of the tours, and dude, those guys were a blast. To be Easy, in the ring right? With. They're, they're a yeah. blast to be in the ring with, and uh, so we were we were stoked. And then, you know, as the the show approached, we started getting cut down more and more and more. And then uh, the first segment of WrestleMania this year was Rock, Steve, Steve and, and Hogan. Hogan and. I knew I'm like oh we're <laughs> we're getting chopped down. If they go over, which they will, yeah. someone's taking the fall. Yeah, and, us, and yeah. we're going. Yeah, we're getting chopped because they had the battle royal too, which was like right after that. Uh-huh. So it was like they they were just chopping stuff down, and like I knew we were going to get. So we ended up with like oh all right, you got three minutes. You know what I mean? Oh. They're gonna you're gonna have it. You're not even gonna get a full entrance. You're gonna get a quarter carry on your entrance <laughs> and and all this stuff. And you know, so it was like all right, cool. So we made the most of it, and it was a lot of fun. Anytime yeah. you're out there in front of you know, 80,000 sure. 80, people, do the best people, you can. It's a great time. And that's the thing. Some nights you have the opportunity to steal the show, and some nights you don't. And, and that's just, just the way it is. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think people don't understand that sometimes. Right. If you're not, you know, yeah, they listen. don't, they don't get that. They, they think like, oh, well, you know, you only, it's only a two star match. Why did they do that tonight? I'm like, well, that. It, you just don't get that opportunity yes. every night, you know what I you mean? You don't get the time, you don't get the angle, yeah. you don't get the focus. Yeah, and and, it, and it's you can't try to force That's that, right. You can't try to force that kind of match out of a 3-minute match. That's, you yeah, know it's I mean? impossible. It is you're, you're you're not doing uh you're not doing yourself justice or mm-hmm. the match justice or you, there's just there's a lot that goes into it, I don't think as as that kind of stuff that, that yeah. people don't understand that. So that's right. Yeah. That, that that's kind of that's interesting actually now that I think about it. So, so you guys, you mentioned that then they finally decided to to, to break up the team, um, and then Roman goes his way. And I thought it was cool that they didn't have Roman go one way, and then you guys stay as a tag team. Yeah, that would have been kind of lame. Everybody yeah. kind of went their own direction, which I thought if you're going to break it up, that was the way to do it. Yeah, we we thought the same thing. Um, we because we were like, look, 
clearly the way they had the way, the way Roman's year was, they had positioned him to be mm-hmm. in a certain position once we split up. But um, Ambrose and I were like, look, not don't forget about us, but you're not going to be able to forget about mm-hmm. us. Like, don't just throw us by the wayside. Like, look, we're gonna give us our own things and we'll be just fine you know what i mean so like that that was totally the way to do it and uh i was actually very pleased with the way it came out we had we had those two matches with um evolution at the pay-per-views uh payback and uh whatever the one is right right after wrestle extreme rules Mm -hmm. and those were really fun um working with those guys and stuff like that you know i that's one of those where like I've gotten the opportunity to have so many crazy matches in the first few years that I like, <laughs> never thought I would. I mean, I got to be like to be in the ring with the Undertaker. You know what I mean? Wow, like, yeah, that's crazy to think about for me. Like, because that, a that's a guy I thought would be retired long before I ever an opportunity to step in a WWE ring. But then to have like to be able to, you know, we had a match with him on uh, on a Raw in uh, London one of the nights. Yeah, that's right. See, yeah. there's another partner they could just stick in with anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It was yeah. Kane Bryan and the Undertaker against yeah. the Shield. Like, it's a pretty big match. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. In a sold out O2, like that's nuts. For me, anyway, I don't for know. For anybody. For anybody. That's crazy. For so anybody. Then you get the opportunity, you know, they say, hey, we're going to have you work with Evolution for a pay-per-view. And it's like, what? You go, yeah. Evolution's not even Hunter, Batista, right Orton. Yeah. Right. They made that thing for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, that's awesome. So, like, we did that. It went so well. I, Batista had so much fun that he's like, all right, I think I'll stick around. Let's do another <laughs> one. So he, he did another one for us, which was very cool of him. He didn't have to do that. Um, and so we did the second one and then, then we did the split right at the night after that. And, uh, things have been going, in my opinion, extremely well for all of Great. us. Great. You guys tore the house down a couple of weeks ago, you and Ambrose, uh, in that, uh, I can't remember, was it a street fight or whatever the match was on raw? Yep. Yep. yep Great in Vegas. match. Yep. You know, you got, like you said, you're on a roll, but the coolest thing is, I mean, you win the money in the bank pay-per-view, you got the briefcase, which you have to carry around everywhere, yeah. which I get a kick out of. makes me laugh. Um, I'm, I'm thinking the only one that doesn't get a kick out of that thing. <laughs> I walk through the airports and then the And the best thing is it's got the big money in the bank thing on the side of it. Yeah, it's clearly like – it's funny. I was walking – I was in my own airport the other day and somebody this, – this lady, I, I don't know what she was on, but she was like, is there really a monkey in there? And I was like <laughs> – it was 5 in the morning and I'm like, what are you – what? There's a monkey in there. And I'm like – and I look at it and I'm like, oh <laughs> – I'm like, lady, it says money. She's like, oh, well, I think you could fit a monkey in there anyway. Yeah, monkey in the bank. Monkey in the bank. What? Doesn't even say monkey in the no, case. No, nothing. Right. There's nothing about a monkey. Like, where'd you <laughs> see this K at? Because I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> but the thing that's cool about it is that like, throughout the lineage of money in the banks, I think there's maybe one or two now. But most of the time when you get that money in the bank, you yep. cash it in and you become the champion. So. You know, um, I'm sure there's been a couple guys that didn't get it. As a matter of fact, I know there's a couple. I think yeah, couple Sando, maybe even Cena. Cena didn't do it. But yeah. it's still pretty cool to know that, like, there's a chance at some point you could walk out as, as the champion. Yeah, that's you know? a, I mean, that's a pretty sweet vote of confidence. You know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. So, like, to have that and, uh, like I said, you look at the past, the percentage is pretty high for the cash-ins and stuff like that. And so, I mean, now, I, I, you know, Lesnar's he's, – he's, not here quite as often, and uh, <laughs> he may not be the guy to cash in on. But I think uh, I got till next July. Yeah, to you worry got some time. That. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty sweet thing. Like it's the best. Like the case I say is like the best worst thing. To yeah. Have. You know the best. It's a burden to carry around, yeah. and you know, even in an airport. But like at the same time. I would not want to have it. You know it's a I mean? champagne problem. We call it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I had the. I won the undisputed title. Um, it was two titles. 
two belts, and I had to carry both of them. And as you know, those titles are heavy. So having two of them, and then, like you said, you got to take it out of the thing to go through security. at 7 in the morning, hey, look at this. Charlie's a champion. He's two champions. Come over here. Got 15 people gathered around. I just want to catch the flight to Peoria. Can I get the hell out of here? But it's like, on the other hand, they could take it away from you. Because when I lost it, my bag was really light, and I was pretty sad. (laughs) The first time you pick it up, you're like, like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I mentioned to you yesterday, another thing that I thought was pretty – pretty cool is you actually have your own wrestling school yeah which within the world of WWE, where they have a whole performance center it's pretty cool that they let you do this yeah i was pretty surprised that they gave me that opportunity and we're so like forthcoming with like hey yeah we're you know we want to help you we can you know tweet about it we can uh you know put a piece on our website interview you for that and i was like it's great yeah it is great i was like very i was like taken aback a little bit by it because if you if you look at it it's um and I don't know if I've ever done it for San Santino's got one in Toronto mm-hmm. and uh Booker has his thing down in Houston but I don't I don't think there's any other ones any other active you know No not where people members. actually affiliated. What's the name of your school? Uh it's a Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. Black and Brave uh, which is an ode to uh, my old tag, me and my tag team partner that I broke in with who's uh, the co-trainer there Merrick Brave. Mm-hmm. Tyler Black Merrick Brave. We had Great. a very creative tag team name when we broke in as <laughs> Black you and Brave. Black and the Brave. <laughs> Just two kids trying to make it. Uh and um yeah, it's it's cool, man. We're about three weeks three weeks in now to our first class, and like it's one of those things where like I really didn't know what I was doing as far as like from a business sense, like or how to like structure it. But I was like, I just gotta jump in, like mm-hmm. otherwise I'm I'm like I can do all this planning and stuff like that. But just really, go for it. Yeah, really, I should just jump in and like we'll figure it out as we go, and then it'll be. I don't think it's gonna suck is the thing. <laughs> so I I'm doing it in my my local like my gym, which is a CrossFit gym. They this have, is in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, it, the school is actually in Moline, Illinois, Moline, which Illinois. is right by Davenport, okay. Quad City area. It's like right across the river, Mississippi River. So, uh, but the gym itself is in Moline, Illinois. Uh, there's a, a, a CrossFit there called Quad City CrossFit, and uh, I've been with them for a while, and they're cool enough to let me set the ring up and mm-hmm. train the guys there. And like the students are members of the gym, so they have access to all the classes and okay. all the nutrition stuff that they have, and and it's a really cool deal. I think I think um, it's hard. That's the one thing that, that I think my 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 students. Like, they thought it was going to be difficult, I think, but I don't think they understood, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean the training part yeah, of the, it? The training and, like, just all the stuff that goes into it, like, you know, because they train three days a week, and then uh, they're encouraged to go to the sh- the independent shows on the weekends nearby and help set up the ring and mm-hmm. just, you know, get in the ring and roll around if they can and just, you know, be a fly on the wall, essentially. That's, sure. That's kind of how you learn when you first start. And um, so they're encouraged to do that, and then they got to, you know, they got to train three a few days a week three four actually days work a week. out yeah actually yeah. work out like not in ring so like and i told him right off the get-go i'm like look this is going to be probably the hardest thing you've ever had to do you got to understand that it's not easy mm-hmm. you know this is a very small percentage of people who you know a can make this their living and be very successful at it and b just human beings who can handle this kind of grind right like even if you're even you know i told them success doesn't mean that you're a huge superstar just means that you know you're happy with what you're doing and yeah. you're enjoying your life you know what i'm saying and this is something that i assume is a dream for all of you and i'm hoping that you know this will help you along that path and uh i don't think like we've had a few people quit and i just don't think that they understood like how difficult oh, it yeah. is and and i think that's one that's another thing we're talking about things people don't really understand about like our business and mm-hmm. one of them is it's, it's really hard 
Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's oh, really, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. really hard. Like, and you know, I was reading, uh, the other day I, I saw like Joe Rogan had said something about like, uh, Oh uh, yeah. I but, spent some time trying to figure out a really cool tweet to hit him back with, but I thought, I don't want to start a war with this. Yeah. And I said that wrestling was fake and people are stupid if they like it, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he had, like, no respect for it or something right. like that. And I was like, come on, man. Like, And, and Joe's someone who's like, I've listened to his podcast, and he's a fairly educated dude, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, like, he's well-spoken. And right. Kind of, like, to me, like, that would, that's just, like, buffoonery. It's just, like, dumb. Like, it's a wh- stupid statement to make. Uh, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's a stupid statement because, A, he's in entertainment. Yeah. He, he's in show. He's a stand-up comic. Right. He also does MMA stuff. He knows what this is. Yeah. And this isn't 1979 where we're claiming, that's just, I mean, it's real, but it's show business. And yeah. we all know this. Yeah, we, we're not, exactly. We're not trying to tell you it's something it's not. Yeah, exactly. Like we've, we've, that, that's, that charade's gone long ago. Right. And, I mean, you and I are sitting here talking right now. Yeah, exactly. So. After yeah. having a blood feud last night, right? right? <laughs> but it's like it's it's fine. It's okay. It's better this way. You sure. know what I mean? But but like it's still hard. And to say you don't respect it or that it's fake, it's just it's just asinine. But, but for it. no reason. It's not yeah. like someone came on his show and they got in an argument. It just came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was very strange. I think somebody just asked him like his opinion on it or something like that. I, he, yeah, he I guess. Like dumped on it. Be like, like if you I just tweeted like you know we hate uh, you know horse racing. All the jockeys are stupid, and we have no respect for like why would you say that? Yeah, you know? it's, it's very strange. I think he. Like, like chalked it up to like oh you know, it was weird because I think he chalked it up to being like oh he's just being funny or he's in show business yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that but it's like eh whatever man it sounds like a cop out well to yeah me. it was like you said it was kind of lame but um do you spend a lot of time at the school actually on hands on training so we do Tuesday we structured the training so I can kind of be there as much as possible right. so we do the training like Tuesday Wednesday Thursday which, which is that you're yeah home. I'm home Wednesday Thursday every week usually mm-hmm. barring some sort of appearance or an international tour or whatever so I try to stop in Wednesday and Thursday night and hang out with them and um you know just little things here and there Mo- the bulk of the training is handled by merrick he does most most of the training uh which I've, is fair though yeah i have yeah, assist- assistant trainer uh shane hollister who's an active independent wrestler okay, as well name, yeah. in the uh in the midwest and he does well for himself these are just dudes that i grew up with and we just loved wrestling mm-hmm. and they they're both really good extremely talented guys they just never had the they just never had the it drive happens, man yeah, yeah. Well, just, yeah right they, they just, i mean they love it you know what i mean but like they just never whatever whatever it was they didn't get the opportunities or they didn't have the passion they had you know they're both one. One's engaged, about to have a kid. The other's got you know married. The sacrifice kid. to be on the road, which yeah. is another thing that people understand how hard that is. Yeah, it is very difficult. And like people, I mean, I I try to be pretty cool with the fans and stuff like that. But sometimes they don't understand. Like when we get like off a plane and we're in the airport, and like I don't think they understand what goes into like like guys. I've got I'm going on no sleep. Like I'm yeah. just trying to get food and get to the show or right. I've got to go train or like I'm not trying to be rude to you like I promise like I really appreciate all of your you know love and stuff mm-hmm. like that and we really couldn't do this without you but like I need some I, time yeah. <laughs> like I just need a little space right yeah. now that's all I'm saying I'm not trying to be a jerk I, I think there's just a lot that like you know, you don't. People don't understand that the public doesn't understand about kind of what goes into what we That's do. That's right. When you leave your house, a lot of times you're on the whole time because people will see you and people want to say hi, exactly. which is cool. Yeah. But the thing that gets me is when you go to the airport after a long flight and you arrive at you know whatever one thirty in the morning or something or seven thirty in the morning, and there'll be people waiting with five, six, seven things. Like, hey, if I meet you know Paul McCartney and he signs one thing for me, I'm happy. I'm Stoked, done. Right? Thank yeah. you, Mr. McCartney. See you later. Can you sign this one? Can you sign this one? Can you sign it? Like, no. 
You got two. That's it. I'm not a jerk now. You are now the jerk. Yeah, you know? exactly. You've become the jerk. That's right. I'm not being mean to you. That's right, man. So what's the uh, the, the website or a Facebook for your Yeah, for your it's just uh, blackandbravewrestling.com. Okay. Uh, we have a Twitter. It's the same. I think it's just at blackandbrave. Um, but uh, you can if you go to blackandbravewrestling.com, all the information you need is on there. We're starting our second class in January. This first one will finish up like – I think right before Thanksgiving or so, mm-hmm. and then we'll you know we'll take the holiday off. I don't want to yeah, yeah, move course. kids away from their home yeah. right before Christmas. How long is every session? It's about uh, like the the class you mean. Well, I mean yeah, like if you start, you said in January. Does yeah, it go it's like until... it's twelve weeks. Okay, about about twelve weeks, um, and you can you have the option to stay on and, and train more if you need to after you're done or Great. whatever, or if you want to, however it it may be. So uh, yeah, it's about a twelve week program, and and like I said, I'm not. It's not first of all, it's not affiliated with WWE. I want to get that out of the way here. It's not like they said, hey, we want to you know, camp in Moline, Illinois. We're going to set this up. It's going to be just like the Performance Center. It's not like that, all right? I trained in like a shipping warehouse in Chicago in the brutal winter. Like, I trained in a bowling alley. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. like the, it, I mean, we're just in a cruddy CrossFit gym, which is good. It's a good as far as CrossFit gyms are concerned. So don't expect like – you know, to walk in and see Triple H just hanging out here working out. That's not <laughs> yeah. that's not what it is. It's it's uh it's something that I personally wanted to do. Um when I was trying to break in in the Midwest, it was very difficult at the time to find a suitable trainer, someone that was, you know, A gonna be uh talented enough and, and understand how to articulate to right. me how to be a pro wrestler and someone who's going to kind of help me afterwards and take care of me and stuff like that as far as like taking me to shows and getting mm-hmm. me bookings and getting me started and stuff like that it was very hard to do that um to the point where i tried to like when i first started training i moved out to pennsylvania to train with uh punk at his he was doing the ring of honor oh, school okay. at the time i went out there with all this like thinking okay i want to get trained by the best i'm gonna go out there but i was 18 i didn't know how to i had no idea of like how to procure a proper job and like save, I didn't save any money and like it didn't work out. But when I came back, I was like, I still want to get trained. I just don't wear, like, Mm -hmm. where do I do this? Mm -hmm. So I figured I was visible enough as far as like that scene is concerned that I could help out people who were interested in, you know, starting a career in pro wrestling. Well, and that's the thing too. I find uh, people say, I'm going to a school. Who's the trainer? Oh, you know, gladiator, Mike LeDrew. And it's like, Never really heard of it. Nothing against the gladiator Mike LeDrew, if that's even a guy. Yeah. But if I'm going to go to a school, I want to go to Seth Rollins' school or Lance Storm's school or Booker T's school yep. or Dudley's school where there's a guy that – or whoever that I know this guy has actually made it. Yeah. And if you're there twice a week or once a week or, or five times a week, you're still there. And that's where people can really f- figure out, you know, what you know, which is important. Yeah. And I, and I, like I said, I try, I try to be there as much as I can and it's cool to like just work out with the kids and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that and just get a feel for them as people and stuff like that. And, uh, I think it's encouraging when I'm there too, because they get the opportunity to like, you know, I'm from that area. So like I get to come, I come back and it's, it's very like, they, I, I feel like they they might have like an image of me and they see me on TV in a certain light and then they just get to see me, you know. Yeah, you're playing a character. Yeah, doing a bunch of snatches and sweating and laying on the <laughs> yeah. floor and wanting to punch myself in the face. F- final question. What's your favorite match that you ever had? Um, I mean, let me make it two. Your favorite match that you ever had in the WWE system and your favorite match you ever had in the ROH system. All right, the fa- my favorite match that I ever had in uh, – the WWE system was a 30-minute Iron Man match with Dean Ambrose down in FCW. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that may be my favorite match of, that I've ever really? had. Really? In yeah. Tampa at the center that in, they used to have there? Yep, and it was a television wow. match. It was uh, 
yeah, just in that little tiny building, just right in there. But Ambrose and I, we had we had never worked before. Uh, I we both got to developmental. We never we. Oh wow. Yeah, because we worked in separate circles. Like we were all coming up kind of at the same time. But he was doing his thing on the East Coast, and I was in the Midwest, and mm-hmm. we never really crossed paths. Like aside from being on a show or two here and there, then we both got to developmental, and they were like, "Oh, they're both independent wrestlers. Let's put them together." <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, we were head and shoulders really as far as like in ring work was considered above everybody else. So like. Uh, and we had like an instant chemistry, like you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with you and I, like it was the same thing. Like you just, just get in there it right and away, it's just, yeah. it's so easy. It's like, you feel like you had a thousand matches with this guy. Yeah. And, uh, we did like two 15 minute, uh, Ironman matches. Cause that was like a gimmick they had down there for a while. It was like a championship. It was like a 15 minute Ironman match. We did two of them that were like, we did a 15 and a 20 and they were both draws. And then we did like the big 30 minute one ended up going into overtime or whatever. But that was my favorite one, um, in the WWE, in system. The WWE system. And then my favorite outside of that was probably, um, death before dishonor, whatever number against Davey Richards, oh. uh, in Toronto. Um, I don't remember what the building was. I remember it was like the middle of summer and it was so hot, like just a thousand degrees (laughs) and uh davy's excellent he's i think he's in uh, tna now with uh eddie Eddie edwards they're doing the wolves there but uh davy's insane and his like his conditioning is he he's a very little guy let me just point that out he's much smaller than me so he doesn't get blown up quite as easy (laughs) but i uh, i made it a point to like keep up with him during that match and um i the crowd was insane it was just one of those matches where it was like everything was just clicking 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 so yeah that was probably my favorite non wwe match there Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, good to have you. Money in the Bank winner. Carry that briefcase around. Proudly. As much as, do you ever put anything in there? Yeah, I have some stuff in there. I mean, I'm, it's a, <laughs> I carry it on. Like, I have to put – I can't check that thing. It'll never come back, right? Yeah. So, like, I carry it on, so I've got to put something in there. I've got, like – I've got, like – I sound like an old man now. I got like my lumbar pillow. I've <laughs> yeah. got my cervical pillow. I got my headphones and like a book or something like that. I did that. a house show once when Ziggler had it and I stole the case from him and I opened it up so people could see and there was a pair of sunglasses and two quarters in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in trouble from the agent. He's like, you can't do that. Don't do that ever again. Oh, for I was like, oh, okay. How was I supposed to know there were two <laughs> quarters right. oh, come in on. <laughs> Thanks, dude. That's awesome. Thanks to Seth Rollins. What an amazing performer. Top heel in the WWE right now and just killed it at the Survivor Series this past week. Thumbs up to him, and I expect him to be a main event mainstay in the WWE for a long, long time. Future world champion, and when the time comes for me to return to the WWE, I would love to do a long extended program with Seth. And I might be returning to the WWE sooner than you think, but it's going to be in a way that nobody's ever done it before. I do things different from everybody else. Remember that. I am different from everybody else and that's why you love me and that's why you listen to the show and that's why you go do your online shopping through Talk is Jericho Amazon links. It's the easiest way to support the show. You know I appreciate it. You know I love to love you, baby. And you know where to find my links right now, right? You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keeper Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then you click on Talk is Jericho and you'll see all three of my Amazon links, UK, USA, and Canada. A. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden shortages. You're just getting your shopping done, and you're helping me out in the process. All right, that's another fun, fun-filled edition of Talk is Jericho. In the meantime and in between time, we want you to stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you Friday for VH1 Mob Wife star Renee Graziano. She's got stories, behind-the-scenes stories, about growing up in a mafioso family, 
Plus, I will tell you the entire story about the Brazil flag-kicking incident and how I was suspended by Vince McMahon from the WWE, cast out in uh, disgrace, all of that. So much more will be here on Friday. We'll see you then. Thank you so much. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 